0: Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices.
1: Good morning, this is the 3CR Spoken Word Programme. Um, My name's Di Cousins and I'm talking to the poet Anne M. Carson today about her new book, Writing on the Wall, um, which is set in ancient Greece. Uh, Good morning, Anne. Thank you for coming in.
0: Hi, Di. Thanks for having me.
1: So, um, now, Writing on the Wall, what's the focus
0: of your long poem It came about because um, of a famous place in Greece called Delphi and it's a place that I'd been to twice previously and not noticed this amazing dry stone wall Um, and this time it was pointed out to me and it was also pointed out that there was ancient Greek script on the wall that detailed the names of 1,000 ex-slaves And um, I was also told that it was illegal in those days to free slaves. So immediately my imagination was engaged and I thought, wow, (laughs) you know, that had amazing resonance for me. So I came back home and started researching and then the muse kicked in.
1: And uh, what was the significance of a a story about slavery for you? Why did that inspire you to write
0: yeah, it's it's mysterious, isn't it? I mean, I suppose it connected back to feminist work in, in refuges that I'd, I'd done. And I guess in those days we talked about women's enslavement to men more as a metaphoric thing. Um, now it's actually um, outlawed as anti-slavery, you know. But in those days it was a metaphoric thing. And I guess I've always had a resonance for people who didn't have liberty... And this is set in ancient
1: Greece, but um, slavery is still around today, isn't it? In in what form is it around today?
0: Absolutely, and it's around in Australia, and that was one of the things that shocked me when I joined forces with Anti-Slavery Australia um, because as I moved through the project, I decided that I wanted to donate this poem that emerged from this engagement to an anti-slavery organisation, and that was the one and um, through looking at their website etc I discovered that yes there's slavery in Australia so that was rather shocking to me but I guess the old forms of slavery still exist there's still sexual slaves and in Australia that's true we import women from Asia to be slaves here um, sexual slaves. How it has changed changed is perhaps the internet. Um, that's one of the ways that it's changed in that sexual slaves can now be um, you know, on the internet as well as actually in person. And um, another way perhaps it's changed is that there's an attenuation of supply chains so that we might buy goods in Australia that seem perfectly fine, but we don't know what their provenance is. And um, one of the things that's happening at the moment is that there's a push for an anti modern anti-slavery act and it looks like we're going to get that um, enshrined in legislation which is fantastic and that is particularly about supply chains for goods that are sold in Australia.
1: Great. Okay, well, let's um, go to the poem. Um, now, the book has got uh, a, um, a forward by the director of anti-slavery... Australia Professor Jennifer Byrne. Um, so we're not going to read that, um, but it start the actual poem starts with a prologue and then there's a, a long text in a first person voice and you'll read that and then I'll read the epilogue. Great. Writing on the Wall by Anne M. Carson Prologue in Delphi Ishigeon The Wall That Keeps the Earth Back Pale stones, dark-rimmed, limestone edges pressed together, a cushion of air between, pocked with age, the slabs interlock for strength, connecting space to absorb history's blows, earthquakes and other vandals, The wall is a document in stone two metres high, 30 metres long, outlasting parchment or vellum. Two fault lines run under the site, the wall remains. Shapes of words imprint stone like fossils, chiselled in small square script, more beautiful than lichen. Stories are patient, silent until we are ready for them. What is strength? Perhaps the names keep the wall standing. One thousand ex-slaves and the nobles who relinquished them into the hands of the God.
0: One. After burial, the stele is delivered. The swaddled stele lies on the bed of the cart, delivered to the estate by the mason. We carry the headstone, as we carried the old lord's body, shrouded for burial, three slaves to each side, small, slow steps. The young lord directs us under the lintel, into the men's chamber. We rest gravestone on trestle, peel cloths. Dust from the journey flurries in late light. The line is true, the old man's craggy face, looking sideways into forever. Grapes on the vine, his walking staff, only in stone now. There was never a day without him looming in grove and vineyard. Busy with livestock, bitterness rises like bile. My father was one dead slave among many, never remembered on stone. His name and liberty taken, though he was scholar from a noble Persian house. War overtook him en route to Athens. He should have been lauded at the academy, not captured as war spoil, a chattel slave sold at auction. War takes the seeds of the future. The mighty and the humble. The young lord dismisses us. Stays with the gravestone of his father. Two, the will is read. Closeted in the front chamber with the old lord's son. The notary is witness to the reading of the will. Fear passes like a baton in the games. Shepherds, grove workers and domestics whisper it along. Will we be sold at auction? The desk where I tutor, stylus and writing tablets, even my own self, will pass from one hand to another. Will it be a better hand? Before the old man died, the young one returned home from Athens, with news from the Polos. Decades long the bloodshed, then war with Sparta paused, into that peace, like birdsong into morning, the voices of the brave ones, Lycophron, Alcimardus, the whole school of Gorgias, causing tumult, challenging Aristotle's claim that slaves are living tools, property to be used at will. Stalwart against wrath, they urged freedom for slaves, saying foreigners were not barbarians, Greeks could learn from us. But Aristotle argued louder, his word had the crowd, what I would give to see the rebels best him in debate. The young Lord returned on fire, is he made of more than words? I am not practised in trust. 3. Called to the atrium. The new master's son sends riders to call slaves back from grove and pasture. We're gathered as at harvest festival, but uneasy in the atrium. Food is laid and jugs of wine. What are we to celebrate? We're restive as a flock when strangers pass. Autumn, end-of-day sun pours honey-coloured light over us. It blesses us when his news may not. Soon will be harvest. Already grapes grow fat. All that was husbanded in his father's time is nearby. The storeroom with crocks of honey, amphorae of grain and wine, olives in brine. Cloths of sheep cheese and strings of dried figs. We never lacked in food. I saw other slaves when I went with the broker to sell olives. So thin. They kept their eyes down, cringed. Some had welts where whip or knife had opened skin. Weapons weren't our master's way. But he often raised a hand. Short on patience, rage at mistakes and slowness, life was a misery for some. For all the plenty his husbandry bequeathed, I am not grieved to see the old man gone. Four. The son becomes a man. We fall silent as the new master walks out through the colonnade. His robes are dyed for morning, the colour of Midnight. He stands, a pillar between heaven and earth, a Kuros cloaked in power. He bows before the altar, lays an olive branch heavy with fruit. The mistress follows, places the bowl of oil. We drop to our knees, children hushed. His lips move in prayer to Athena and sunbright Apollo. Our lips form the same shapes. Many minutes pass, with only the coo of doves in the coat. He is rising. This is your home. Always a roof. Food. I sigh. Turn to a neighbour. Share relief. His held-up hand give, gives pause. There are conditions. It is only to be expected. Those of you who wish it, he says, I will release into Apollo's hands. No one moves, says a single thing. Moments pass before I hear words again. Always a dream to set right what was wrong. To each who choose, a pony and purse of drachma. Or you can stay here as free folk, marry. Raise children with mine. He is fired with enthusiasm, wants us free. Someone is already pouring wine. All I can do is drink and hope to swallow his news. I never thought he had this in him. Talk it over with your loved ones, he says. No small detail to decide overnight. Take your time and we will speak again. Meanwhile, come eat with me and my kin. I am to be freed? It hardly seems possible. My master, he has never more deserved the title than now in its relinquishing. Five, on the road to Delphi. Only a handful of us, the hardy ones, decide on freedom The rest wait for news of how we fare. Our carts sway and bark in wheel ruts like coracles in water. Our wheels seem hardly to turn. The roads are safe for now, no strife from Sparta for months. Dust covers everything like a pelt. We talked of nothing but freedom along the plains from the coast. Now grit closes our mouths. Near to towns, plain trees arch the road with momentary shade. Signs of the gods abound. Athena's silver-backed olive leaves flash in the sun. Demeter's green gown is lush in pasture and crop. My master, Demetrius, I must practice saying his name, is named for her. Three carts and a team of oxen ship us to Delphi. We carry his father's grave marble and votives for the temple. When night covers us in dark cloth, Demetrius sleeps in the taverna, we slaves in a shepherd's hut. Like an underground watercourse, we hear taverna talk of freed slaves running furtive under discussion of crops, yield, Not all partake. Many fear reprisals. Once I accepted the given as ordained. But if Apollo can receive us into his hands, how can they say that slavery is ordained? 6. Emerging. Walking unravels knots, limbs, spine, Thoughts begin to loosen from confinement. Walking my way to freedom. As broody with thinking as a hen with eggs. Imagine a statue. A figure emerging from stone. The front is already chiselled free. Arms reaching into open space. Chest bared to air. But behind is still embedded, still buried shoulder-deep in stone. Worse than an ankle gripped when you want to run. Worse than trying to pull free from the suck and lock of mud. No matter how hard the struggle, it's not force that will part this back from rock. Like me, a figure halfway out of bondage. Doubt slithers. How will I account for myself in the world? Never been alone abroad or handled my own coin. There's a kind of security in stone. Bulwark against life's shocks. I have taken the purse, and the pony will be given me at Delphi. I have taken the decision, but I still think like a slave. Seven. Arriving at Delphi. Climbing Parnassus, I feel like an ant labouring. The oxen heave. Walking between lead animals, I grip neck ropes with both hands, as if to haul them bodily. My arms ache from the effort. I am not built for toil, but effort makes me stronger. Turning the final corner, I glimpse the marble of Athena's temple, bone white against the green of foliage. The temple is round like a hearth, with columns rising vertical as pines. It clings to the mountainside, perched precarious. Just a breath would send it plummeting. The summit is crowned in cloud. My head spins, the audacity of coming so close to the gods. People from all over mill on the road, waiting for the priest's time. Bell music from round the necks of tethered creatures echoes into the valley. The familiar sound comforts, reminds me of home. Omphalos, they call Delphi, the navel as if life is birthed here. It's no small thing to be given to a god, first bathing in the springs, never before allowed to kneel under that torrent. But years back, I dried the old man after he made offerings. I tuck my votive into the niche, then step down into cold. Water roars from the lion's mouths cleanses spirit as well as body, pummels doubt away. Demetrius bought metic's clothes for each of us, garments and sandals of free men. My chiton and mantle are newly made, linen soft against skin. I didn't know what dignity came from robes which cover your knees. No wonder free men stand proud. 8. At the Temple. Fasting and prayer are night long in the athlete's dormitory. After travelling, I crave sleep. Instead, fall deep into fears, worrying when I should be praying. I hope the God will forgive me. Should I return to the estate with Demetrius, or head straight to Athens? Such a pull to the capital. Plenty of work for scribes, I'm told. And the Senate. Advocates for slaves number so few when many still suffer. What of Persia? Do relatives survive? People who knew my father. Am I bold enough for travel? I wrestle with choice. It's morning before I decide on Athens for now. Perhaps some of the others will choose it too. Later, with a little more practice, confident in my freedom, I can venture on to Persia. New day comes, mountain crisp, pale in the sky, like the blue of alpine flowers. Apollo's precinct is huge. Sheep and goats bleat in the forecourt, resist handling and stamp the marble with their hooves. Attendants tie the ceremonial ribbons. They calm the animals, lead them in procession to the sanctuary of sun god Apollo. Sun spills like liquid on the altar stone. The priest is good with the knife and quick. Animals fall surprised, not afraid. A whole flock to please the god. Their sacrifice takes all mourning. We leave votives from the home forge and drachmas. The carcasses are taken to prepare for feasting. Now it is us at the altar. No knife this time, just the priest's warm hand of blessing on our heads. He offers us to Apollo, bids him give us care. Outside the Temenos, we rejoice loud with joy. Embraces are tight enough to crush olives. I feel salt on my cheek. There aren't words enough. Now I can choose a name, wear clothes of the free man, travel, marry. But this isn't close to what it means to call my life my own. For the first time, I stand, man tall in my mind. I know fear will return. I hope I can mill it between the plates of my mind, like grain between rounds of stone the oxen turn. For now I am strong. I think to my father, ex-slave son to slave father. Offer silent pleas to Apollo, that my parent knows what dignity was returned to us this day. One final task remains before we can slake thirst and feast on haunches of sheep and goat. We go to the mason's stower. Watch him scratch our details on a tablet. Later he will carve our names on hexagonal wall stones for all to see. Demetrius, son of Demetrius, gives the slave Theo into Apollo's hands. Epilogue
1: Pale stones, dark-rimmed, limestone edges pressed together, a cushion of air between. Pocked with age, the slabs interlock for strength, connecting space to absorb history's blows, earthquakes and other vandals. The wall is a document in stone, two metres high, thirty metres long, outlasting parchment or vellum. Two fault lines run under the site. The wall remains, shapes of words imprint stone like fossils, chiselled in small, square script, more beautiful than lichen. Stories are patient, silent until we are ready for them. What is strength? Perhaps the names keep the wall standing. One thousand ex-slaves and the nobles who relinquish them into the hands of the god My name is Di Cousins and this is the 3CR Spoken Word Program. And I'm here in the studio with Anne M. Carson and she and I have just read the long poem... Writing on the Wall, which is about the slaves' experience of being freed in ancient Greece. So, Anne, tell me a little bit more about how you came to actually do the writing of the poem. I mean, it's all very well seeing a wall with names of slaves on them that were freed, but how did you suddenly, how did this convert into the voice of the slave speaker?
0: I think my starting point was the fact that it was illegal then to free slaves and so I started researching that and the internet is fantastic Um, and I discovered that there was opposition to slavery back then Um, and and that just sort of engaged me And, and then I started researching things like clothes and food and you know, I'd had so many rich impressions from being and travelling in Greece. So they were the sort of primary experience, sensory experience of the land and life there. And, um, you know, the food probably hasn't changed. Some of the food hasn't changed since those times. So you sort of feel like you're in an ancient civilisation. You've got those ruins around you. So I think that was, that had fed into it. And as I was doing that research, a male voice emerged and and I was a bit surprised by that because the majority of of names on that wall are female names. Um, But this was the voice that emerged for me. So I just trusted it and went went with it and the writing seemed to gather these details and use the details to flesh out this story of how it might have happened.
1: And the story is uh, an imaginary character whose father was um, a Persian prisoner of war who was enslaved after the Greek and Persian War. What what year roughly or period? This is
0: 2,500 years ago. So around yeah. 500 BC. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah, so a long, long time ago but we can relate to so many things um, and this terrible human capacity for enslaving people is still with us
1: yes and and all the refugees who are on the move across the world are in danger from that
0: that's right and even you know going one of the things i realized only recently was that we've had our own aboriginal um well aboriginal people have had that experience with the um with the stockmen who weren't paid any wages and probably domestics as well back in those early days of the first colonists and into right up until the 60s, I think, when the Wave Hill walk-off happened. Yes. Um, And I only just realised, and this is, you know, the partialness of our history, our own history, that that was slavery. Yes. I was astounded at that, that I hadn't known that
1: and there were also wages withheld by the government um, in Queensland and places where they said, "I oh, will hold these back for you but we'll give them to you later and, of course, those wages have still never been given to the Aboriginal people or the descendants.
0: It's terrible, isn't it?
1: it it's, it's extraordinary.
0: Yeah, so this um, sort of collective belief we have in Australia that there's no slavery is um, very wrong.
1: Yes. Now, where can we get your book
0: writing on the wall? Um, it's available at Collected Works or people can contact me. And how would they contact you? Through my website, cool. com.
1: All right. Well, thank you for coming into 3CR. Um, it's been a great uh, experience to read the book and to, to see history brought to life and embodied. Thanks so much, Di. Yeah. This has been the 3CR Spoken Word Programme.